It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please won't you be my neighbor? Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 504 with our review of Won't You Be My Neighbor. I'm Christopher Schnezzy. And I'm afraid not enough people listen to the podcast. <laughs> if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, uh, this film, Won't You Be My Neighbor, uh, may still be in theaters, uh, depending on where, what market you're in watching, listening mm-hmm. to this episode. Yeah, uh, I, I think so, because I think it just came to SF like a week, a week and a half ago, and it's slowly rolling out. Wide. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's still in the process of coming out. Uh, but yeah, it's basically a documentary uh, about Mr. Rogers and uh, his creation of the program, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, and sort of his ideas of... Uh, Life. I, I'm like already going into this explanation of this film. We haven't even looked, listened to the trailer yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, yeah, this is a documentary about Mr. Rogers. We are here to talk about it. Um, we just released into the feeds a review of Incredibles 2 and Ocean's 8. And here we are to give you this little extra review to hold you over until next week when we get to talk about Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom. Oh, yeah. Um, Another sequel, baby. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know what much more to say, Stephen. I. Did you watch Mr. Rogers growing up? Uh, so I did. Um, but this is one of those things where, like, I, I, I remember watching it. I remember zero about the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's it's weird because it I feel like it didn't stick with me. Like, I, I specifically remember watching it a lot as a child. Um, but it, it, I just don't have that many memories like i haven't grown up thinking about it but now like seeing this documentary like seeing what this program was and like Mm -hmm. what this man was trying to create in the world i'm like that couldn't have not seeped into me like right Right. like some part of me cannot have not been influenced by that program um and it's it's really interesting trying to think about it now and and think about uh how meaningful it may have been to like my development as a child um but yeah, I don't know. What about yeah. you? No, no, I feel the same way where I'm I'm certain I watched it as a kid. I didn't think I remembered it at all. And I'm starting to wonder if this is everyone's feeling or if it's like Latter-day Mr. Rogers, not the Mormon Mr. Rogers, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Rogers in, in later years. Um, I, I wonder if... <laughs> I wonder if, like, I I don't know if maybe that's just his style always is that he's more subliminal and, like, kids remember the emotions and the, like, general good vibes that he was putting out but don't latch on to particular moments. Or if, like, the show kind of got more slow as the years went by and maybe, like, changed its tune where in the early days there were memorable characters and then slowly it got more gentle. I don't know. I'd, I'd be interested to know if people who 
were raised on the original incarnation of Mr. Rogers, you know, in the 70s, 60s. I, I don't remember even when when he started. It seems like 60s. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't remember. If only they'd make a documentary about it so I could learn. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I, I wonder if people who were like raised on that incarnation of him feel similarly or if for them it's more vivid because there was less other television kind of bombarding things into them at the same time. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't just like cartoons and explosions and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, uh, we've sort of already gone into what this is. So maybe retroactively we could play the trailer um, for, for Won't You Be My Neighbor? Best world. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, but, oh, my God. Mr. Rogers is the host. <laughs> my, yeah, no shit. Who do you think was the host? <laughs> Daniel? Uh, touche, Stephen. Touche. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's just kind of go back. We're going to take a listen to the trailer for Won't You Be My Neighbor, and then we're going to come back and give you guys a full review of it. Won't You Be My Neighbor? It's an invitation to help somebody know that they're loved and capable of loving. Love is at the root of everything. Love or the lack of it. Fred's work was love your neighbor and love yourself. It was a communication right into their hearts. Children have very deep feelings just the way everybody does. There must be times when you do feel blue. I'm not feeling blue right now, though. Me neither. <laughs> Thank you for whatever you do to bring joy and hope, light and love to our world today. Please won't you be my neighbor. All right, so uh, once again, that was the trailer for Won't You Be My Neighbor? And as I said, kind of at the beginning of the podcast, it's all about uh, Mr. Rogers and the show he created, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And it's sort of the conception of it, how he built it up, I guess, from scratch, and then kind of where it went over the years and, you know, what it tried to do um, to teach children lessons about life and kind of understanding themselves and other people and knowing that they're special. Um, so, Stephen Miller, what did you think of this film? I thought this was a very, very heartwarming documentary that isn't pushing any boundaries and doesn't want to. Like, that's completely fine. Uh, this documentary basically is exactly what it promises to be. It opens with early Mr. Rogers and how he became what he became. And then it just shows us a few glimpses of the sorts of topics that the the show dealt with over the years and kind of paints this picture of Mr. Rogers as the uh, kind of like America's secular version of a Pope or something. <laughs> He's like the one that we look to in times of trouble and the person who was kind of like pointing a way of how we could be kind to each other and how, how we should treat each other. And I think the film tiptoes a little bit into what, what's the word? What'd be the word if you're like, putting a halo on someone like hey hagiography it it tiptoes a little bit into like making him out to be almost impossibly perfect in his like motivations and in the the way that he did the show like like you and i both acknowledge that we think we watched mr rogers but we don't remember it very well but walking out of 
like leaving the theater, you think, wow, he was so important. He must have changed my life. And I yeah. think that's partly the film's doing. Like the film just does a really, really, really good job of making you believe in him and believe in his vision of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Whether or not that is actually how we actually saw it as kids. Um, well, I, I think too, like if I can... <laughs> I can do some weird segues and speak out of my ass about things I know nothing about. It's it's kind of like when you think of like if you look at a different program that kids would watch that has a single male host in a house that sometimes goes into a cartoon world. Pee Wee Herman. Uh, no, I was gonna say uh, uh, Blues Steve oh, yeah. from Blues Clues. Is his name Steve? Yeah, name Steve, right? Yeah. So like when you watch Blues Clues, <laughs> this is the dumbest thing I've ever said in my life. Um, <laughs> uh, so when you watch Blues Clues. I I assume that you don't think that all of this universe and this entire show and everything is Steve's doing and what he's creating, right? I just assume that he's like a person that Nickelodeon hired and then made right, yeah, like full around in this guy. little pl- yeah. He's just a guy, right? He's just I think a- he got fired for like smoking <laughs> pot or something. <laughs> Maybe I'm getting confused with the dude you're getting a Dell guy. <laughs> he might be, um, but anyways, regardless, like you you don't see like. You, you just think this is a guy that got hired and it's like, oh, Steve's there and he's like, look, a clue. And then he's mm-hmm. like writing in his trusty, dusty notebook or whatever. Yeah. And you're kind of handy just dandy notebook. handy dandy, whatever. Monster. But you're just sort of like watching this guy and you just, he, he's an actor and he's doing his thing. And like you kind of just like the show's either fun or it's not fun. And sure, there's simple little lessons and kids are screaming at the TV to point where the clues are and stuff like that. But it's not like a, it's not a message show and it's not a a person's singular vision right. of this thing. And I think that like watching as a child, watching Mr. Rogers, I just, that's Mr. Rogers. Like, cool. He's a guy. Like, you don't realize that this is a person who like directed, wrote, wrote the music for, sang in, yeah. did all the voice. Like, this is. Yeah, this- I didn't realize he did all the voices until I watched this documentary. Yeah, like he's basically like if South Park was a message show that was good for kids, mm-hmm. like, he, he is both those guys, right? Yeah. Um, and, and it's like amazing to see that, like, this is, this wasn't just a job for this guy. Like, he was compelled to try to put something forth into the world that was not available for children's to teach them a message that we as adults don't get today. Like mm. the, um, that scene of him, like <laughs> toxic and sing talking, whatever his, his lyrics to that song in front of Congress yeah. to try to like make sure PBS could still be funded. Like that brought me to tears. Yeah. And I was like, if like, I don't, if I would have watched that on C-SPAN or whatever, like when it was happening, like there's no way that would have affected me. But as an adult with like the ability to like to be fully grown up and look at what this man was trying to do for children and know about the innocence of children and like where we are as adults and like how scary and terrible life is mm-hmm. in general. And just like the fact that this man was trying to prepare little children in a way that they couldn't possibly fathom with just this pure goodness and like desire to bring to them these ideas about togetherness and being special and, and, and being inclusive and just trying to make the world a better place in a way that nobody does Mm -hmm. at all. And I think that that's really what this documentary, like it, 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 as you said, like it's not a particularly flashy or special or nothing groundbreaking about the documentary itself, but the man himself was groundbreaking and the ideas he had were groundbreaking. And this is a film that just brings those to light in a way where you're like, 
fuck, we need more Mr. Rogers yeah. in this world. <laughs> like that's that's where we're at. Like right. our world is in a very bad place right now. And if we had Mr. Rogers all over the place, like it would make the world a better place. Well, and and I wonder if it's a coincidence that this movie is coming out right now or not, because it this feels very much like a movie that is a reaction to how very not Mr. Rogers so many of our leaders are right now. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, like this movie feels like a a call for a return to like goodness and decency and like yeah. love and like the kind of open fuzzy feelings that the past few years in particular, like public engagement has not been about at all. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I don't know. I assume documentaries like this take long enough to make that that isn't true. It's just a, a random coincidence, but it it feels very much like, like an act of rebellion to have this movie that is, like the the way the documentary is made is the way I think Fred Rogers would have made a documentary like this, which is like very earnest and soulful, and it gives moments room to breathe. Like there, there's a a time when Officer Clemens, I think is his name, is the uh, the black character who's on the show. Um, and there's a time when he invites him to sit in the pool with him, and the camera is just like fixating on their feet in the pool together. Yeah. And watching that without context, you'd maybe think, like, this is weird. Yeah, like, yeah. how long are we going to just <laughs> sit here quietly <laughs> watching two people's feet in the water? Um, and then it peels it back and tells you, like, this is actually kind of an act of political rebellion, you know, yeah, with yeah. what the show is doing. And I think, I think the documentary, much like the show, is taking gentle, earnest things that are not fighting words at all, but turning them into a statement about something yeah and i think on that level it succeeds a lot like it's hard not to leave this movie thinking like we need more mr rogers yeah yeah for sure no i i yeah i think there's just so many times that you're watching it where you (laughs) you're just like jesus christ this Mm -hmm. is like the these sentiments are like the way he deal or, or the way he like tried to deal with um, death and like mm-hmm. assassinations and, and stuff. I think that like really like I was not even close to following Mr. Rogers anymore uh, around the time that like 9-11 happened. Yeah. But like the fact that like that I think that part of the documentary that kind of shows his kind of inability to deal with that tra- tragedy mm-hmm. in a way where like this is a man who seemingly could be happy and okay at any moment no matter what was going on. Yeah. And then this one event happens and like it's such a devastating thing that he's kind of like I, I don't I don't know how to be good anymore. <laughs> like mm. I can't, I can't counteract this, and I don't know. Like it seems like events would happen, and he would instantly be like, "Cool, I have a show to talk about this now. Let's do it." Mm-hmm. Um, and like that seemed like, I mean, it's a very small part of the documentary, but it definitely felt like that was sort of just like such a a, a hard thing for him to deal with that he kind of like had to, he, like he stumbled a little bit on how he could like uh, override that tragedy in the world and try to get back to doing the thing that he was doing, which was yeah. like, it made like it, it felt so much more impactful in that context uh, for some reason to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I felt that too. I, th- I thought that was interesting. And I've, one of the little conversations I've had, like after the, after the movie, I think even when we were watching it and then recently when I've met other people who watched the documentary too, is like, there's a part of me that, is glad I don't have to know how Mr. Rogers would have handled the current political climate. Yeah. Cause yeah. I feel like there's only so much a person can take and like, 
I don't know, we're, we're kind of in an age 2018 and 2017 in particular, pretty much every seemingly good person has let us down <laughs> yeah, yeah. somehow. I, like a part of me wants to know, wants to see a Mr. Rogers type character who would stand in the face of all of it and like stop the terrible <laughs> things that are happening in the world. But a bigger, more cynical part of me feels like maybe he would cave to it and i'm glad i get to watch this pure version of him that didn't have the chance yeah like before the world went to shit yeah like like like, okay there's a weird thing that i felt during this movie that i never expected to feel before so you know i was brought up in the church it was a huge part of my life um we've met in like at least church adjacent things before like it's a totally big part of my young adult life and the moment in this movie when it started to detail Mr. Rogers as a minister and him as wanting to go out and do his ministry and seeing this children's show almost as his way of ministry, I felt this gut reaction of like, no, don't <laughs> make it about the Bible. <laughs> like, like because I, I'm just so used to over the last few years seeing that that be twisted as this like, way of manipulating people or this this undercurrent of like something masquerading as good but actually being used to justify bad things yeah and there was just this part of me that like had a really negative gut reaction and i wanted i wanted to separate mr rogers from christianity because right now christianity ain't looking so hot in america <laughs> yeah, yeah like the last few years and I, that was just surprising but i, I do think he walked this line where the the documentary makes it seem like he was always True to his faith and true to his mission, he was a genuine person who genuinely believed, and he remained genuinely kind and unconflicted. Yeah. And I think in the end, that's a, <laughs> that's a positive image that we don't see a lot of, which is a person who truly believes and is committed to their belief yeah. and also isn't a monster to other people. As, as the character who was being interviewed said, he's the second coming. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he is. And the, the one moment that this film kind of... And we crucified him too. The, the one moment that this movie dips into territory where it might be showing some of the, some of the problems with uh, Mr. Rogers as his like conservative Christianity impacted him is in his treatment of, quote, Officer Clemens as the uh, not-yet-openly-gay castmate on Mr. Rogers. And there's some conversations there that, depending on how you read them, you can either take it in a very positive light and see Fred Rogers was always very forgiving and open, and he was just mindful of how his show would be received and the need to get funding. Or on the other side, you can view it as him having feelings that were pretty common in that era among religious people especially about uh, a gay castmate and not being this pinnacle of forward-thinking openness that maybe he's striving to be and i just thought those those little things were really interesting and it i wish there were a way to examine more but i also don't want to break the image of mr rogers that i have right now as a near perfect person who always at least landed in the right place even if his starting point wasn't always perfect yeah yeah no i i think that like specifically because the the person who those scenes in the documentary are dealing with was speaking to his credit like he was on his like he like if a person goes from like he 
communicated these things to me that were not accepting of my lifestyle and didn't want me to be openly gay with regards to the program. But Mm -hmm. then like another scene later, he's talking about how like he became his adoptive father. Like clearly he doesn't harbor anything. Oh, of course. Like, so I, I, it makes me like if he, if, if the guy himself wasn't like participating in the documentary and like singing his praises, I would maybe err on the side of that being the the least charitable um interpretation where he was like communicating those views from himself but like i want to believe that it was like it it was like a necessary evil that he was allowing and like trying to have him like hey just please like for the sake of this program like all the good that we're doing here um just don't hang out at this like club where people might see you there because that would look poorly on the program. Yeah. Like, um, I, I, I want to believe that it's the charitable reading and right. not the uncharitable reading, but like we, I mean, we don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. We don't, we don't know. And, and we don't have to. And even that's like the only moment that there's even kind of a crack in the armor, maybe yeah. that's shown for the most part, his strategy here of understanding and accepting people is amazing. Like you, you mentioned the song that he speaks, sings, to the uh, the Congress people trying to get funding for PBS. To me, I think the most touching moment is a moment when he is through Daniel the Tiger talking to this little kid who recently had a pet die. And he's having this like very vulnerable conversation with the child of yeah. like, tell me what happened. Wow, that's really hard. That must be sad. How do you feel? That happens sometimes, doesn't it? And like the way that he takes this kid at face value he isn't yeah, yeah. like when i try to talk to a baby i feel like <laughs> i'm like <laughs> yeah no that, that's not what i do but i veer in the other extreme where i like ironically talk to them as if they were an adult i'm like hey how's it going yeah, yeah cool right and yeah, don't borrow my shoes <laughs> <laughs> but he fred rogers seems to unironically speak to them as if they were little adults right like he's listening to them with the same intentness that like i would listen if like you were about to tell me about this like crazy thing that just happened in the world i'm like really then what happened wow (laughs) so so i just thought of like a a really silly analogy and and bear with me um but uh in in our review of swiss army man (laughs) which is like my favorite film of the year it came out like we talked about like the fact that like you, you, you were kind of saying, if I can try to paraphrase part of your point of like, um, was that the statements the film are making are not actually profound. Like they're simplified statements that should be obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a way, like the, the, the farting corpse that is Daniel Radcliffe coming back to life, like explaining to him in a simple way facts that should be obvious had this profound sort of like reaction to me as I was watching the film where it's like they're not saying anything that like we don't all already know such agree with but there's a there's a there's a way of just saying it in a matter of fact way in a way that is caring as you say it to a person who's trying to understand it and kind of gets it but doesn't quite get it elevates the the subject matter to be a more profound thing than it technically is on paper and I think Mr. Rogers did that same thing with little children instead of farting corpses Um, but I I think that uh, 
that there might be a link between like why I I really like what Rogers is doing and then also why I like Sunset Man. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I think that that link makes sense. They definitely are similar in that they're both, yeah, making very simple statements, not saying anything grand or shocking or anything, but that the fact that they're so simple makes them hit harder. You know, yeah. truths like. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to cry. <laughs> you know, it's uh, things die sometimes. And that obviously, like, all of our stories and everything we watch and review in the show are fueled by, like, those truths already. They're wrapped yeah. up in everything we do. But something about, like, isolating them and just hearing them spoken to an innocent person who might not have realized before that moment that that statement was true, it, it it's powerful. I don't know if... I don't know if this is just getting older or if it's the time that we're in now that such kind of direct hard on your sleeve sentiments feel bigger and more pronounced but whatever it is it, it's very moving in this documentary yeah 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 i think so i mean i i, I there's a lot of a lot of weeping people in the theater mm-hmm. <laughs> um and yeah it's 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 not it's it's really it's a different powerful weepiness than you get in a normal movie where you know the main character is holding somebody who's just died or like the main character is being held because they're about to die and then you're just like oh my god the sad hero died thing this is like a it's it's like that that happy cry where like seeing pure joy like coming out of a being (laughs) towards Mm -hmm. children who only know joy like it's there's there's this the beauty of what you're saying that like is what makes you weep um like and trying to understand this like this this effort towards pure goodness um when we all know and recognize the world is not being pure good um there's something really awesome about uh it. yeah i agree so <laughs> <laughs> Uh, should we get to verdict, Stephen? <laughs> yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> All right. So, if you were going to give us a must see, a recommend with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or a must avoid, what would you give it? I'm giving it a must see. I think this is a very timely documentary. And even though the way it is told isn't doing anything new, like, I don't think this is an amazingly constructed documentary or anything like that. I just think the the pathos that it's dealing with is very true and very light and important to like it's important to have something to look to positively (laughs) right now because there's so much like negativity and cynicism and i think this documentary is just like a a dose of like bright not optimism like it's kind of sad in the shadow of post (laughs) 9-11 world but (laughs) there's It's like a happy sad. It, it's uh, it's inside out. You know, it's a happy sad, and it's learning to like be okay with this happy sad <laughs> mixture in life. And I think, yeah, I th- I think it's great. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it, it's a must see. It should be like a central watch for people, if not just just to make you be in the moment of watching it and just have an idea of maybe trying to be a better person and and to you know not not hide things from kids like. Where as a society and a culture, we're so like hell bent on protecting kids from the realities of death and sadness. And it's like Mr. Rogers sort of just like put it up front and was like, hey, this is like, as you said, like things die sometimes, right? Yeah, like it's sad, but it's okay because 
lots of things are not dead. I don't remember what exactly what his message was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but but I just it, it's it, it's he was an interesting figure, and what he stood for was pretty awesome. And we need more of it. And you should watch this film, even if it doesn't stick with you. It's kind of like it's it's reducing the entire history of Mr. Rogers down to these two hours. And like you can live in that moment and be like, man, this is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> also, right. great cameo by Walking Phoenix. Definitely, <laughs> definitely keep an eye out for that. That guy did look so much like Joaquin Phoenix. It was super weird. Um, but anyways, yeah, we're going to end this episode. Uh, Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? People can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to us, you can do so in Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. Um... If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoiler warning or like us at facebook.com slash the spoiler warning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at the spoilerwarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the theme song to Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Um, so hopefully you are enjoying that. And uh, yeah, we're going to take off. We'll be back next week with another review. And uh, in the meantime, won't you be our neighbors? <laughs> please. Won't you please? Please won't you be my neighbor?